0: Ed Flash Farrance.
1: a major airline fined for retaliating against its own workers. New jobless numbers showing nice gains in manufacturing. And today on the show, we're going to check in with the North Dakota building trades and the service employees in the state of Maryland. Welcome to the Monday, January 9th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least six platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Pandora and Stitcher. We have two guests on the show today. Our first guest comes from the state of North Dakota. Jason Ellert will be joining us on behalf of the North Dakota Building Trades Unions, where he serves as president. Jason is a third-generation union member, been a member for about 15 years. His grandpa worked for a telephone company. His father, a member of the Bricklayers Union. Jason became aware of the advantages of union membership right out of high school, working summers in a union shop to earn a couple of bucks. He said, I was outdoors. The scenery changed. I didn't work over a fryer or bother someone on a marketing call. I had my nights and weekends free, made more money than most of my friends. Although the work was hard, well, it was gratifying seeing what I accomplished. One key element I learned, That summer was one shouldn't have to work overtime just to make ends meet. Jason says it doesn't matter how involved you want to be. The biggest thing is get involved with your union. And he urges members to stop watching things slide and get active. He said the most important strength of the labor movement is its solidarity in numbers. And the trades represent more than just one percent and the one percent of the ones that are getting all the media attention have you noticed that lately especially out of washington so what we're going to talk about there's a couple things we're going to delve into uh two additional large carbon capture projects in uh, research and development phases for coal fired power plants in north dakota and jason says there's a pretty good potential for a PLAs on those power plants. Good news there. They're also working with some tribal organizations to create a pre-apprenticeship program for placement into the registered apprenticeship programs. And they need workers. They're going all over. to Make sure they get those workers. Also, uh, another project labor agreement with a company called Talon Metals for a processing facility. The project was awarded through a grant from the Department of Energy. And that is a result of the bipartisan infrastructure bill, which will create a domestic supply chain of minerals required for electric vehicles. You want those electric vehicles, well, you got to do some mining in that area. North South Dakota, Minnesota, there's a lot of mining going on. And they need those precious metals to make those batteries and those batteries. My God, those battery plants are popping up all around the country. So a well, good news there. NDBTU.org is a website for the North Dakota building trades unions. Frankie Pinkney will be joining us later in the show. He's a 23, 24 year member of the service employees union and, uh, this is Local 400. They're based in Prince George's County, Maryland. Website is SEIU Local 400 pgorg And they represent primarily facility workers, custodians in a lot of the buildings, primarily school buildings in that area. And we're going to talk about the history of the union. We'll find out why frankie got involved in the union from what i understand he's uh, he's got some union brothers and sisters in his family he'll talk about that he'll talk about growing the union and that's what uh, unions have been doing here for the past couple of years especially under this uh, biden administration so uh, seiu local 400 pg.org is a website for that union now a brief look into the world of labor this segment brought to you by the good folks at boyd waterson asset management you can find more at BoydWaterson.com. Lots of uh, airlines, American Airlines facing almost $7,000 in fines after investigators found the airline retaliated against its own cabin crew who reported toxic fumes entering the aircraft in a statement. The Department of Labor said flight attendants reported worker illnesses to the airline caused by jet fuel fumes seeping into the aircraft cabins. However, an investigation by OSHA initiated by a whistleblower tip-off found that upon reporting these illnesses, the airline retaliated against the employees for speaking out. The flight attendants accused the company of docking their attendance points and said that they were discouraged from reporting work-related injuries and illnesses per the Department of Labor. So OSHA proposed the financial penalties for the airlines following the investigation. Their area director, Timothy Miner, who's based in Fort Worth, Texas, said federal law protects workers' rights to voice workplace safety and health concerns without fear of retaliation. Now, when employers punish employees for doing so, they create a chilling effect that may stop workers from reporting future issues, putting their health and well-being and that of their coworkers at risk. Miner added that the employees engaged in protected activities when they reported the issue to the airline. Now, the effects on passengers... Of those toxic jet fumes entering the cabin, still up in the air. The airline, by the way, has 15 days to respond, and it can't appeal the judgment. And the fine is actually $6,837. You would think that that would be a little bit more for what I just read. Unionizing Delta employees, picking up steam, flight attendants, ramp agents and mechanics have active unionization campaigns at airports across the United States, including Atlanta, New York City, Detroit, Minneapolis and Seattle. A former employee and current organizer with the International Association of Workers credited the recent surge in union support across the U.S., grueling working conditions since the beginning of the pandemic, inflation, and there's Delta's pilot's recent tentative agreement. That agreement would raise pilots' wages by 34% over four years. The workers, they're concerned about arbitrary write-ups that create what they call a culture of fear, along with scheduling issues and physically demanding jobs. Now, Delta has reported record profits in the third quarter of last year, and expects to earn nearly double this year. Now you know why they're organizing. They're making a whole lot of money. And then there's Southwest. As you know, Southwest Airlines canceled thousands of flights over the holidays after a major systems failure that will most likely face investigation by the U.S. Department of Transportation. Well, last week, the Southwest Airline Pilots Association, which, by the way, Is engaged in union contract talks, called the meltdown absolutely preventable. And last Tuesday, the union published a letter stating such systems failures have been increasingly frequent over the past several years and can be traced to poor leadership and what they call a headquarters centric cult that constitutes a good old boys and girls network. Now there's a story that needs to be told. I'm sure those, boy, I hope they have those hearings. It sounds like they're going to move for that because there's a lot of people that pretty much missed Christmas because of that meltdown. Again, it could have been preventable. The Guardian is reporting that at least 12,000 nurses in New York City are set to strike today. If contract talks are not successful, nurses have raised concerns regarding staffing shortages further exacerbated by the pandemic that have created unmanageable workloads and high patient to staff ratios, stressful working conditions and potentially dangerous conditions for patients. Now, as we reported last week, a massive Wave of strikes, which began last year, is continuing into this year across sectors ranging from health care to transportation and civil service in the United Kingdom. According to uh, some reports, the prime minister of Great Britain, Rishi Sunak, is poised to propose legislation to curb strike power by enforcing minimum service levels in certain sectors, including health care and rail service. Now, get this. Workers who do not meet service levels may be fired and unions may be sued. Additional tactics under consideration include changing the notice period for strike actions from 14 days to 28 days. The strategy, by the way, of seeking to pass an anti-strike law is pretty similar to what happened in Canada some years back to prohibit striking. That failed miserably. There's a number of protests, and they said, no, 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 you can't take away that right. It's not going to happen. Meanwhile, Amazon workers in uh, Central England's warehouse facility have stated they are planning to walk out on January 25th. Why? Because of a pay dispute joining the wave of strikes in the U.K. The U.S. unemployment rate finished last year at 3.5%, tying its 50-year low, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. There were 5.7 million people without a job last month, and businesses claimed to create a net of 222,000 new jobs in December, and for all of uh, 2022, almost 5 million. 4.8 million. Elise Gould is with the Economic Policy Institute. He says the uh, labor market remains strong as wage growth slows. Notable gains in the payroll survey for last month were in education and health. Leisure and hospitality rising over sixty seven thousand over the uh, month. Leisure and hospitality job gains have a downside though, that sector. Amusements, gambling, hotels, motels, bars, restaurants, usually dead last in pay. You know what the you know what the average pay is in leisure and hospitality? five hundred and twenty two dollars and nineteen cents a week. That's pretty bad, pretty bad. Another low-paying sector, temps, temporary workers. That sector shed 35,000 workers in December. Now, the good news, factories. Factories claim to add 8,000 jobs, rising to just under 13 million. We got a comment here from uh, Scott Paul who heads the Alliance for American Manufacturing, he said 2022 was an extraordinary year for factory hiring, although the pace has slowed. In December, about 8,000 manufacturing jobs were added. One bright spot, durable goods manufacturing, like automobiles and machinery. They continue to add jobs at a very robust pace. Construction, by the way. Construction companies claim to add about 28,000 jobs in the month of December, increasing to 7.7 million in the country. All right. Quick break. When we come back, the president of the North Dakota Building Trades.
0: This is America's Workforce.
2: It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. This segment
0: of America's Workforce is brought to you by Survey and Ballot Systems. SBS has been providing unions with secure and flexible election options for over 30 years. Visit SurveyAndBallotSystems.com to learn more. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The The United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the US, US, Canada, Canada, and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right.
1: America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing
0: painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. From the Golden Gate Bridge to the St. Louis Gateway Arch, the Sears Tower, and just about every building, bridge, and structure in between, our cities and towns wouldn't be the same without ironworkers. With over 3,000 contractors employing more than 130,000 highly trained ironworkers and 20,000 apprentices, the Ironworkers Union stands ready and able to shape the future of our skylines. Learn more at ironworkers.org. Ironworkers. The sky's the limit. Now, back to America's workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferrens.
1: And don't forget, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. Make sure you get the word union there. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Let's go to uh, Fargo, North Dakota right now. And join Jason Eller. Jason is president of the North Dakota Building Trades Unions, as I mentioned a few minutes ago in the beginning of the show. Website is ndbtu.org. And right now they have about 2,600 members. Jason's been on the show before, and we just want to refresh our listeners on what's going on in various parts of the country, especially now that the bipartisan infrastructure law is seeing some effects, and we're seeing that happen in various states, North Dakota is one of them. Hey, Jason Ellard, Happy New Year to, to you and welcome uh, back to America's workforce. How are we doing today, brother?
3: I'm doing very well, Flash. Thank you for having me. Happy New Year to yourself as well.
1: Now, now, North Dakota, especially Fargo, I know you get some pretty nasty weather. What, what's the uh, what's the weather picture there today? I'd like to know that.
4: Uh- <laughs>
3: well we were we had snow fog this morning if you can believe it which delayed schools uh, the uh, we get a we're always uh, keeps us on our toes up here because it wasn't uh, a blizzard it wasn't heavy snow it wasn't freezing temperatures but it was fog this morning that uh, delayed our schools so uh it always is always enjoyable up here in North Dakota it keeps you, keeps you guessing
1: so you get snow and you get fog and you get snow fog in North Dakota. Yeah, you got some crazy stuff over there. I don't know. It's It's got to be rough, especially for the trades. I mean, a lot of the trades, I mean, they're outside. They're working in these crazy elements. I mean, that's a whole other story. But uh, uh, why don't you refresh our listeners here a little bit on how you got involved? Because a, a lot of folks in the trades, they go right into them out of high school. But you had a kind of a different path. you you went to college and then I guess during college, that's when you started getting involved in the trades uh, working summer jobs. can you uh, can you go over that story for us Jason?
3: Yeah my uh, my dad's a union bricklayer with BAC Local One, Minnesota, North Dakota, and uh, right out of high school, uh, I started working for his company as a, a laborer. And was really just making enough money during the summertime to save that up, help out with college bills, pay for meal plans, those kinds of things, books. And uh, so I did that throughout my college career. And uh, upon graduation, uh, I graduated with a social studies education major and was planning to get into the teachers, uh, become a teacher, North Dakota, Minnesota, somewhere. And uh, at that time, back you know, over twenty years ago, two thousand three, uh, there was an abundance of teachers, if you can believe it. Uh, there was a lot of uh, limited opportunities to get in an education, and uh, I was having difficulty finding a job. And uh, the company I had been working for, my dad's company, his union company, the boss took me aside one day and just said, "Hey, have you ever thought about your apprenticeship program? Because I'd really like to move you into it." And uh, didn't hadn't heard anything about it, and uh, I looked into it and talked to my wife, and we I made the decision. We made the decision to get into the trades, change my career path, and I've never regretted that decision. It was the best decision, one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life.
1: Good for you. How long have you been the president of the North Dakota Building Trades, Jason?
3: I was just reelected this past fall for my fifth term. We do two-year terms, so this will be my seventh year as the Building Trades president yep, here.
1: Good for you, and and how's it been going for you? I mean, the, you know, the trades. There's always ups and downs when it comes to the economy mm-hmm. and all that. How you, uh, how have you been navigating through all of that?
3: You know, we've been uh, we've been very fortunate up here. Uh, COVID kind of slowed some things down on the, uh, some of the outage work because uh, some of the plants just uh, pulled back a lot of their operations, their maintenance operations, because of just trying to bring in all the travelers. But uh, we've been really grown steady up here for, for several years and uh, things are now uh, probably with like everybody that all of your guests that you talk to, workforce is one of the biggest challenges and trying to find more people to get into the trades is, is uh, probably the u- most unique challenge we have for the building trades. So a lot of times my, my education uh, in college as a teacher is serving out really well where I go and talk to students and schools and promote the opportunities of apprenticeship programs and getting into a building trade union.
1: You know, I want to talk about that in the second segment. Right now, let's let's get into uh, what you're doing, especially making project labor agreements happen. It's so important in the trades that we have those PLAs. Talk to me about what's this place called? Is it Talon Metals? Am I pronouncing that correctly?
3: Yep, you are correct. It's a uh, uh, it's a part of the bipartisan infrastructure law. Uh, the it, it is a very unique. Uh, it's uh, very revolutionary type of project. Talon Metals is an international firm. They're actually out of, I think they're headquartered in Brazil. But they, what they're looking to do is, and then one of the goals of the bipartisan infrastructure bill is to create that domestic supply chain for electric vehicles. So this project is going to be about harnessing and processing the raw materials for all the batteries that we're going to need in those electric vehicles. So it's produced and shipped domestically, that we're not relying on foreign powers, foreign governments, foreign entities to make all these minerals uh that a lot of times are not friendly to us and then they don't have the same goals of environmental protectionism and uh workforce standards and safety uh it'll be it's it's truly a game changer
1: now there is a lot of minerals um to be mined in that area i I know minnesota for one uh is that pretty much the case in north dakota and south dakota to your knowledge
3: Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, this project with Talon Metals is going to be the, the raw minerals, the, the raw material is going to come out of northern Minnesota. Uh, it's going to be nickel that will be coming out of there. And then through that process, that those raw minerals or that basic mineral will come here to North Dakota. And that's what we're working with Talon Metals for a processing center that will further refine those raw materials that will then sh- be shipped to a battery per, or well uh, another facility further south that that will then make the final con- con, uh, uh, components for the batteries.
1: Mhm. How many jobs are we talking about on this specific project?
3: We're talking about, I think it was 400, uh, 400 construction workers at peak. Uh, so, I mean, it's a it's a very big project for us. Uh, maybe not so much, uh, you know, the other ones out in the East Coast, West Coast, but the, the true significance of it is that it, it, they have to be working with organized labor, project labor agreements, apprenticeship, uh, uh, reaching out to underserved populations. It's a It's been a game changer for us. So about a $466 million project. And we're hoping to get it started here in 2025, so it's a bit of ways out. But uh, between all the work that we have coming up with uh, in energy and infrastructure, it's hopefully going to space out a little bit better, so it doesn't all hit at one shot. And we're trying to get everybody to work.
1: Yeah, you should be able uh, get to get up to speed by that time with your apprenticeship program. Uh, so you got you got a you got a nice little roll up there. Now 2025. Once that starts, how long will it go in your estimation? Do you have any, any figures on that?
3: Yeah. The, the, from what we've been talking with talent metal today, they're looking about a three to four year project and, uh, and not only about building the project with all hundred percent union we've engaged in, or we're going to be engaging about who maintains the facility for for forever in a uh, project or a union based maintenance agreement. So, Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it can create generations of members uh, like we've done with the lignite power plants out here, uh, the refineries. Uh, it's not just only the construction, it's those ongoing maintenance operations that really creates that livelihood for a lot of future union members.
1: Let's talk about energy here. I was reading earlier about some uh, coal-fired power plants in your area in North Dakota. And again, we're talking about some PLAs there. What's, uh, what's the latest there?
3: So yeah, North Dakota has five uh, coal-fired power plants uh, still in operation, and one of the things part of the the, the Bar Patterson Infrastructure Bill is a carbon capture systems, and that they would maintain these baseload generation power plants, keeping up the all the megawatts that we need to move the economy forward. But then now they'll have add-ons additions to these current power plants that would car uh, capture all the carbon and then inject it underground. So. One of the unique things about that we have up here in North Dakota is not only all the energy uh, resources, but also the stable geology. So uh, we're one of two states in the nation that has a Class Six permitting, where we can actually inject the CO two underground. And so for a lot of these power plants, they can be injecting the CO two almost right on site, uh, thousands of feet down uh, with CO two. So yeah, we're really excited about these that can be keeping the maintaining operation of those power plants where our union members are working at, but then now we have additional construction to move those projects forward uh, for a whole other realm, a whole other concept, a whole other generation of workers in additional technology.
1: That's pretty fascinating. I didn't realize that they they take the carbon out and they inject it in the ground, and it sounds like it, it goes very far down into the ground. Is that what I heard?
3: Yeah, these are going like 5,000 feet to 10,000 feet underground, and they are below water tables. And and what the, the geology that they've done up here with the research centers is that this carbon will stay in these seams of rock formations, and they'll be able to monitor them. So it, it's really cool to win, when you go to these, these informational meetings about them and just how much technology and potential research can be a part of it. And we're really excited about it because it can maintain that, that base load generation. And we're, we follow the national mantra, energy, all of the above uh, with the national building trades. And it just it creates more opportunities for work
4: and
1: jason what you just talked about these carbon capture projects they're in the R and D stage right now do you have a timeline on on where we're going to see some development here
3: yeah it's actually we've been filming a lot more relationships with industry and uh my last monthly meeting with one of the, the power plants that's looking at this has bumped up their timetable to 2024 so uh we're probably 12 months away 18 months away from starting one of these massive projects and we're excited about that as well. So, it uh, in a very very short time, we could be looking at some this technology coming online.
1: So you got 400 jobs with the Talon Metals. What what about this one here, the carbon capture? What are we looking at?
3: Uh they I, they've told uh, that one project Project Tundra alone has said uh, probably a thousand workers at peak. So. Yeah, that's going to be a challenge on that one. We'll be looking to bring in people from across the country on those projects. Uh, it's, uh, but it's truly a game changer in terms of that technology. That we're we're very hopeful. I mean, obviously, we'll bring in travelers, but we've been, you know, redoubling our efforts in terms of local recruitment and, and partnerships with tribal organizations and. Uh, and any other organizations here in North Dakota to find those available workers. You can get them into You'll queue. take anybody. Get them into...
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: get anybody. Yep, exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know, it, it, building trades isn't for everybody, but there's a lot of young people that are really excited about that education model. So, Oh, yeah. Uh, how we build it, it up.
1: It, it's a free education. You're making right. a whole lot. You earn while you learn. That's a, that's the beauty of it. Well, I want to talk about that. that. That's good stuff. I'm mm-hmm. learning a lot here. This is great. I mean, I didn't really understand what carbon capture was until i had this conversation with you they mm-hmm. they pump the carbon down into the earth the middle of the earth practically yep. wow that's amazing stuff <laughs> jason ellert joining us on our live line today he is president of the north dakota building trades unions website ndbtu.org later in the show we're going to check in with the service employees in the state of maryland back in a few minutes
0: you're listening to america's workforce with ed flash
2: ferris Dot org.
4: Hi, this is Liz Schuler, president of the AFL-CIO, and I am a huge fan of Flash and America's Workforce radio and podcasts.
1: Hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland at 216-881-1802. Call Music Talent of Cleveland as your dependable source for professional musicians in Northeast Ohio. Union musicians add harmony to weddings, elegance to parties, and uplifting music for all events. Music Talent of Cleveland contracts solo and ensemble musicians as well as bands and orchestras for single engagements. So hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland today. 216-881-1802. Hello from the Communication
0: Workers of America, District 4. We are a labor union representing a vast array of workers in different industries, including the Association of Flight Attendants, Telecommunications, CWA Passenger Services, Public Health Care, and Education Workers, the IUE, CWA Industrial Division the National Association of Broadcast Employees, the CWA News Guild, not to mention our growing digital sector and many others. If you're interested in organizing your work group or learning more about what it means to be CWA strong visit our website at www.cwad4.org d 4org now, back to Ed Flash Ferrens with America's Workforce.
1: And remember, you can check us out on at least six platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. And when you get an opportunity, just do this, sign up, receive our shows on a regular basis, and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the North Coast Labor Federation. Let's go back to Fargo, North Dakota. And joining us on our live line today is Jason Ellert, who is president of the North Dakota Building Trades Unions. A lot of work happening over there. They have about 2,600 members, and they are going to need more members. Jason, talk to me about what you're doing. Apparently, there's a couple of uh, tribal organizations that you're working with there to create a pre-apprenticeship program. Talk to me about that. What uh what is this something that uh, you've been working on for quite some time? Uh any success? Give me all the details. Go ahead. Yeah.
3: Yeah, no, That thank you. The, uh, the pre-apprenticeship program is really to give a, a – it's kind of like an introductory set of education to someone that is maybe po- uh, examining their career path to going into the building trades, maybe doesn't have that background in construction, uh, doesn't understand all of that's involved with it. Uh, and then also is what we're – like you, you talked about with reaching out to the tribal organizations is uh, a lot of this technology, the, all this energy development, this carbon capture systems – Are going to be in close proximity to several tribes out in western North Dakota so one of the things that um, that we've been trying to do is is as those projects are going to be out 18 months to two years maybe even three years is to build that workforce capacity now get those organizations on board how we will work together and get people into the queue because uh, a pre-apprenticeship program will take uh, varying levels of, of Time to get through. Some of them can move as quickly as fast as a month. Some can be six months, depending on how someone is moving forward on that pre apprenticeship program. But what we're hopefully doing, what we're trying to work out with, with the tribes is how do we connect uh, people that uh, I don't know if I don't want, I don't really like calling them underserved. Um, what I'd like to say is these opportunities that just don't know, that a lot of people just don't have those know about. We give them that base education, give them those opportunities for success, and you set somebody up uh, for success. I like the the old mantra of not just giving a person a fish, uh, you teach them how to fish, and then that creates those success stories. Uh, So we're really excited in that. We're just kind of in the beginning, uh, just trying to hammer out all those details, and I'm really hopeful that we can really get in a program established in the next 12 months with some of the tribes, uh, and even uh, we're looking at Department of Corrections. Uh, And justice-involved individuals.
1: Well, you got to look at all aspects right now because the demand is there. There's no doubt about that. Let Let me ask you. I'm just wondering. In in some parts, and I know North Dakota is no exception, when it comes to drilling, you got the environmentalists, and then you got the, the the tribes that you're talking about, the tribal organizations that may say, "Well, wait a minute, we don't want this happening on our land." Is is any of that? Part of the equation right now that you have to uh, try to convince a few folks to move forward that, hey, you know what, we got to do something. There's a huge energy demand out there.
3: You're you're spot on. And a lot of it is, that, yeah, you have to build, build up those relationships. We have to understand and, and truly trust each other and that we are all working towards the common goal. And that's what we're excited about with this carbon capture systems, uh, the Talon Metals Project with creating – a domestic supply chain for electric vehicles. If we're going to really try and reduce our, our carbon footprint, the CO2, the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, these projects are going to need to come online and we're here in North Dakota. We're blessed with those those energy reserves, the, the lignite, the, the oil and gas, uh, the wind. We have a high, high volume of wind that uh, we can create a lot of wind turbines with and how we all come together, address all of our concerns and then really provide all that energy that the country just always still needs. And it's, that's what we're, we're working towards. Uh, it, it, a lot of it is just, you know, sometimes feeling everybody out, understanding what we want to accomplish, and also listening that, that everybody is fully understanding that you're truly being valued. Those concerns mm-hmm. are being vetted that we are all working towards that one goal. Uh, I, I'm a big believer in that.
1: Yeah, as long as they're part of the conversation. I, I think they don't want to be left out. I think that's that's a big issue right now, and it goes across America mm-hmm. when it comes to that. Um, how are we doing politically in North Dakota? I, the last time you and I talked, I know North Dakota is a right-to-work state. you got some uh, hard-right lawmakers over there. How's your relationships with them when it comes to, uh, especially when it comes to union activity, to organizing? Uh, what, uh, what's the status right now?
3: Uh, yeah, North Dakota is a uh, supermajority with uh, the Republicans. Uh, you know, we we always are looking out to to reach out bipartisan. Um, we we don't. I like to talk about is that the infrastructure we build doesn't have an R or a D on it. You you can't. I can't take someone to a bridge and say, okay, well here this side, it was built by all Republicans or this was built by Democrats. The power plants, the the, the refineries, the the high-rise buildings that we work on. So I always have kind of uh, bring that mentality is workforce development is so key and so crucial. You need all options on the table. You need to be working together with everyone. And and that's served really well. When, when we bring in lawmakers that maybe have a preconceived notion of what unions are about, and then we show them our apprenticeship programs, our training centers, and how we're advocating for workers in the construction industry, a lot of times they're just kind of, uh, blown away, or they're left just kind of. I didn't know you guys did this. I didn't know you provided this, and and it comes to that conversation piece is like maybe we have this idea. This is what we are, yeah, But you've never actually met us, and let's have that conversation. So uh, it, it's an ongoing process, um, and it always can be a challenge. But uh, with a we have actually a fairly new legislature this time around. We have a lot of new young members, so there's some opportunities for collaboration. There's some some opportunities for Um, Not so much collaboration, if you could say that, maybe. Um, But uh, it's an exciting time, and it's always about selling our story.
1: Yeah, the story is one that needs to be told. It's so funny, too, because what you're saying is very true in a number of states. The lawmakers, once they come into the union hall, once they – once they see what the apprenticeship program is all about and then they realize that no tax money is involved this is all the unions it's funded by mm-hmm. the unions they say oh wow i didn't realize that that's a pretty good idea we need to do more of that kind of stuff and it's it's <laughs> isn't that funny how that works <laughs> you, you you're spot on
3: you're spot on and <clears throat> it's just having those conversations and and a lot of times you just say, you know, when I've identified myself as the building trade union president, uh, I, you have to kind of chuckle a little bit and you smile at that lawmaker and you go, well, no, we're, I'm here to help and and we're here to collaborate. How do we make this work? Um, because the challenges are vast where it's not one, any solution is going to solve the workforce development problem to, to get to address all the energy infrastructure. It's going to take all of us. So yep. let's all have those conversations.
1: Yeah, let's do it. And let's do it right now. Okay, you're at uh, 2,600 members across the uh, state of North Dakota. With all this work that's coming down, I mean, we've got years of work that's planned out here. Good work, too. Project labor agreements. Where do you want to see that number grow to? And I guess part of the answer here is, uh, you know, where are we with the apprenticeship programs? I'm sure you've been monitoring all the trades that are part of your organization. Are they filled up? Where, where are we right now, Jason? <clears throat> yeah, the uh,
3: from what I, what the the feedback that I get from all the trades, their apprenticeship programs are really filled up. Uh, they they would love to take more apprentices, but you know the how you how you educate and train through those apprenticeship models you need to have so many journey workers to so many apprentices and and really make that investment. Um, what i would like to see is you know maybe we could double our ranks in a couple of years that might be that's a very lofty goal probably not very realistic but a lot of times it's that steady growth if we can continue to grow from within find young people and and they're listening Uh, when i go out and talk to students about apprenticeship programs um, we actually use a a virtual reality technology now uh, to bring students to a job site uh, we sh- it, it it has been a game changer for us as well to bring the construction site to them. We can show power plants, we can show heavy equipment operations, we can show bridges, and it and it doesn't involve the risk to the student. And then they can see every trade in a in a virtual reality format in a 360 view. Uh, those students are listening, and they're and they're more and more uh, just evaluating what is education, post secondary education looks like uh we talked about a little earlier about the college for all mentality how that's changing uh there's students that are the post-secondary education is important and that's how you you send those narratives
1: you show them that virtual reality demonstration and then you tell them how much money can be made I think you're, I think you're a lot of the way there already, don't you
3: think? <laughs> yep. And and what young people, what I really find is they want to be a part of something. They want to know that they are working towards a goal. And when you lay out the apprenticeship program and the money that you make, the the lack of of college debt that you're going to incur, but that you can be putting yourself on a pathway that three, four, five years you can be at this level, that that really resonates them well, yeah. well with them. Yeah. And then being union members and being a part of something.
1: Uh, young people do kind of like that. They do like that. That's good. One more question here before you go. This has been a great conversation. A lot of your uh, members in the building trades, are they are they involved in their respective unions? I, I know all unions are reaching out and said, you know, a lot of them just, you know, they they show up in the morning, they get the job done, they go home. I, I get that part. But getting involved in the unions, you seeing more of that happening?
3: It, it's always a challenge, uh, and and but I was actually just speaking at a union meeting uh, this past weekend, and I talked about Grassroots organizing. Uh, the idea that well, you, you know, you, you want to get up at the Capitol, and, and and up here in North Dakota, it's you know very a lot of people are a lot more private. They don't want to get out there and let you know let their val- or what they believe in out all that much. But what I talk about is grassroots organizing. Uh, with, with such workforce demands and challenges that we have, a lot of times that I just say is that when you're at your, your, your Thanksgiving or your Christmas party or your New Year's party, and you've got a family member there that is, you know, maybe in the high school level, sophomore, junior, senior, and they're evaluating what they want to be doing, I say, tell them your story. Tell them how you went through an apprenticeship program. Tell them how you became a union member, what you enjoy about it. Yeah, every job is going to have some cruddiness to it. I mean, I remember that as a bricklayer. There's school stuff I did, and then there was a lot of stuff that was, you know, oh, this kind of sucks. But overall, I enjoyed everything about it. And I say, tell them that. Uh, don't discourage them from looking at the trades. Don't say, well, I want them to do something different. I want them to to go on to something better. Uh, I've always found that what we do in the building trades is truly amazing and remarkable. We build the infrastructure the country needs. Talk about those things because people need to hear them. And, And you'd be amazed what your family members will listen to.
1: If you, Trump, if you don't like story
3: if you yeah. don't like drum
1: <laughs> you're building america uh-uh. and you're rebuilding america at the same time good stuff good stuff jason ellert president of the north dakota building trades unions website ndbtu.org always enjoy talking to you brother you take care stay out of that fog and uh, we'll we'll talk down the road okay
3: absolutely flash we'll do it's been a pleasure thank you for having me
1: All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to check with SEIU Local 400 in the state of Maryland. Back in a few minutes.
0: This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com.
2: It takes LIUNA to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of LIUNA, the Laborers' International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd-Waterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft Hartley funds at boydwaterson.com.
1: Dot O-R-G. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. The United Auto Workers are one of the largest and most diverse unions in North America, with members in virtually every sector of the economy. Learn more about this proud sponsor of our program at UAW.org. The AFL-CIO is a proud sponsor of America's Workforce Radio. United by efforts to
0: raise wages, listeners to this show and workers all across America are beginning to turn a corner and drive the economic debate. The AFL-CIO is comprised of 12.5 million working people, but we stand with and fight for everyone who is working for a better life. For more information about our raising wages agenda, go to
1: aflcio.org.
0: Now back to America's workforce. Here's Ed Flash
1: Ferrans. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. AWF Union Podcast. Before we get to our next uh, guest, I just want to do a shout out here. There is still plenty of time to register for the upcoming Martin Luther King Jr. Civil and Human Rights Conference, which will be held this coming weekend in Washington, D.C. It actually starts this Friday and goes through Monday, which is uh, Martin Luther King Day. You can visit this website for more information and register the mlkconference.org, the mlkconference.org. The theme of the conference this year is Claiming Our Power, Protecting Our Democracy. Attendees will hear from labor activists and workers at Starbucks and Amazon. In fact, we uh, did a, a big chunk of Friday show on this with Fred Redmond. Last Friday was our first Friday with Fred, who is the Secretary-Treasurer of the AFL-CIO. So if you missed that show, just go to awfpodcast.com, and you can find all the details of what's going to be happening this weekend in Washington. Right now, not too far from Washington, is Prince George's County. Joining us on line number two is Frankie Pinckney. Frankie is one of the members of SEIU Local 400. Website, real simple, SEIU Local 400, PG.org. The PG stands for Prince George's County. Frankie Pinckney. I understand you've been uh, a member of uh, 400 for like 20-some 20 years, 23 years. Can you tell me your story, how you got involved in the union? Go ahead, brother.
4: Yes, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Uh, uh, I got myself involved uh, with uh, local 400 service of International Union uh, uh, through Prince George County Public Schools. Um, my parents, my dad was a member of... Uh, a worker for uh, Prince George County Public Schools. Uh, he worked in the warehouse under a different local, so he always uh, uh, inspired me to work for the county school. So I chose not to work under my dad, so I picked the custodian department, and it was a different local, which is the local I'm, I'm currently with right now.
1: I got you. Okay, so when you say you're you're working for the schools custodial, can you be specific on on what the members do at 400?
4: Yes. Yeah, so uh, we we every day we 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 support uh, the teachers' association, uh, the students, uh, the student governments. Uh, we make sure that uh, we check safety protocols. We make sure we do custodial service, uh, making sure that, uh, we there to provide them, uh, with assistance for, um, uh, uh, lunch, um, um, cleaning, um, uh, ventilation, um, um, just everything, everything, yeah. uh, within facilities.
1: I gotcha. Uh, and how's the uh, relationship been with the schools over the years? I mean, you've been there for quite some time, over twenty years. How, how's that been going? And and, and what, what do you see about growing that that membership, especially now with all the organizing going on?
4: Yeah, I have a uh, wonderful relationship with the with the county schools. Uh, uh, you know, from my uh, local uh, four hundred. Actually, I'm a. Volunteer for our political department, so we always have action days that we go out to just uh, support workers' rights. You know, better our education system, um, bring a a new and strong perspective into workers' rights and workers' safety.
1: Yeah, you got a new governor over there in the state of Maryland. I would imagine your your local was pretty involved in that campaign a couple of months ago.
4: Yes, yes, we were. Actually, uh, we had a event um, in Baltimore to endorse. Right. I new Governor uh, Westmore and uh, Lieutenant Governor Aruna uh, Miller. Uh, so that was a real, real huge uh, um, day just to be out. SEIU strong, uh, mm-hmm. not only just uh, Local 400, but it was uh, Local 500, uh, Montgomery County, and uh, SEIU uh, 32 DJ, Baltimore jurisdiction. Uh, it was a lot of SEIU there.
1: I know 32B is a is a pretty big outfit. We've uh, we've featured them on the show before, so that that's good news. Now SEIU, it, those of you listening right now, they have I think nationally well over two million members. They are the largest union in the AFL CIO. So I'm not yeah. surprised that you have well over two thousand members in the state of Maryland. I'm just wondering yep. what what are the uh, what are the goals here, Frank? I mean, we just got we just got a new year going on. I'm just wondering what's the agenda for Local 400 moving forward.
4: Well, continue to improve the lives of our workers and families. You know, uh, create more uh, opportunities at the workplace. Uh, continue to uh, strive and fight for voter suppression. Get more feet on the ground for for action. This is a big year in uh, 2023 for. Uh, local 400 um so you know we're just trying to continue to making sure we educate our members uh, continue to organize continue to uh just be a part just be a part of uh of the, movement, the labor movement
1: when you say it's this is a big year for 2023 anything specific you want to call attention to why is it such a big year this year
4: well because uh of course you know um you know all the hard work um, that paid off last year definitely steamrolled over into this year uh, with the uh, MLK conference coming up. Also, the inauguration of our uh, our governor. Uh, also, following next week um uh, elections. Uh, looking for hundreds is uh, going to have elections coming up for uh, officers. Uh, hopefully, we can have a, you know, great turnout uh, for election, make sure uh, we have the right components in place to continue to keep the uh, the movement moving forward.
1: So, Frankie, it sounds like you got a lot of people in the right place. You just got to hold their feet to the fire. Is that what I'm hearing?
4: Yes. So, so we have a lot of uh, it, our unit is so many components part of our local from our trustee board to our uh, executive board and our committee and our vice presidents and presidents and so on, and our political department and, and volunteers. Where one uh, committee and one component is there at the Board of Education uh, fighting for collective bargaining rights, uh, another component can be out of a day of action, uh, working parallel you know, to try to make the whole thing work gotcha it's, it's, okay more 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 and more more and more technology plays a, a huge favorite role towards us as custodians with education in, in trying to uh, make sure we meet the students' needs of Prince George's County public Schools.
1: Frankie Pinkney, member of SEIU local 400pg.org based in Prince George's County Maryland Frankie you take care stay strong and stay safe okay yes sir thank you for having me. All right, that's it for another edition of America's Workforce. Tomorrow, I'm going to check in with the Communication Workers of America and the latest from the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees. Until then, all of you, have a safe and wonderful day.
0: That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find
2: out more information online at labortools.com.